Opinions on objects. Musings on miscellany. What we think about this, that, and everything else. My name's Jack. And my name's Andy. And And you're listening to Jack and Andy's Thoughts on Stuff. Welcome to Jack and Andy's Thoughts on Stuff. Today we're going to do something a little bit different from last time. Um, We're not going to talk about one theme, we're just going to talk about a whole range of topics from climate change to unemployment, the way media represents things, and about problem solving and so on and so forth. There is also um, a little bit of swearing today. We do swear in this one a lot more than we did in the last one. Oh yes. And there will be, you will hear some of the um, noisy cockatoos that are around because we don't got no fancy um, sound booth. (laughs) That we're recording it. No, 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 fancy sound booster for any of you. No, exactly. So we'll just get right into it. Enjoy. So I've been thinking a lot about climate change mm. lately, but not anxious about it, but just like I'm frustrated that the governments aren't doing enough. Like it's frustration. Yeah. I trust that enough people in the world are doing their own individual efforts to reduce their own carbon footprint. But I'm just like, for fuck's sakes, like the governments just like need to get on board and stop being so pig headed about this. Like seriously. And yeah, like share the research that you're basing your decisions on. Don't just say, oh, we're going to do hydrogen and not actually like publicize or share why and where you're getting all of this information from. Like it's a bit odd. Like I understand that different countries would have different resources available to them. So different options would be better. But it does kind of feel like everyone's using different scientists and mm. different research to come from different places. places yeah. That's I mean, not how science works. <laughs> one answer. <laughs> exactly. And like the IPCC just shared that report the other day, which I haven't I haven't read yet, but you know, it's pretty damning, like saying that like we need to be making efforts and bigger efforts now. Like our carbon reduction targets need to be more than what they are. Mm. And I just... We're doing a shit-ass job. I know. And Australia, like Scott Morrison, just continually saying, like, oh, we're, we're up there, we're one of the best, we're the only ones with this and we're like, the only ones yeah. with that. I know, but at the same time, like, this isn't a fucking competition. Like, mm. the leaders of the world need to stop being so, like, insular yeah. and start actually coming together as a group of leaders to lead us through this. Like, it's the same with the stupid mm. coronavirus. Like... Scott Morrison could have taken the opportunity to be like, okay, right, I've got to, you know, I'm the leader of this country. I've got to be a leader now and I've got to bring everybody together. Let's all get on board. Let's all, you know, I'm going to steer this shit. But he didn't. He just kind of like got on and then just went, everybody else go about their business and I'll just sit back here and, you know, act like it's not my fucking job. And it's like, it is your job. You're not a leader. You're just like a freaking, you're not even a figurehead. You're just some douchebag no. who's like thriving on the fact that he has this power. And I'm like, oh, it just, it frustrates me. I'm very big on if you're going to lead, lead. No, like, do he's it not properly. a leader. He's no. not someone you look up to or believe in or trust to make the right decisions for no, you. not at all. He just, he's a bit shit. He, <laughs> he's a lot <laughs> shit. I mean, I thought Tony Abbott was, you know. Shit. Yeah, I thought Tony Abbott was shit, but... <laughs> He's fucking crazy as yeah. shit. <laughs> it just, like, Tifa. I feel like at least he probably tried. Like, I feel... Well, he probably tried for his own particular yeah. agenda, Gender. which was exactly. wrong and terrible and the worst exactly. ever. 
But he was definitely trying to do something. Mm. This is what he was trying to do. I <laughs> deeply disagree with it. Exactly. And it's like, I think our country, like our politicians, are so out of touch with the people. Oh, like our sure. top politicians. Because they're all rich bastards. Yeah. I almost said rich bitches. Like, <laughs> Most, Most of them, them aren't, aren't women. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> Still, I actually, I might just call them that anyway. Yeah. Rich bitch. It's just frustrating. Even the people who you think were going to come in and like, try to make a difference or would make a difference like they just end up getting on like I don't know maybe they like get beaten down in their passion or something and then they just become like you know this is just my paycheck sort of thing mm. like I don't know I don't think I could sit with that I think it depends where they came from I reckon if you worked your way up to their position you might get complacent mm. but if you were born into it you probably never even had that kind of empathy understanding to begin with no you weren't required to have it to get by in life I wonder if um, this is really probably controversial, but it's not that I think this. This is amusing. This is a wondering curiosity. Like, I wonder if there is a difference in levels of empathy and the way we act upon empathy based on our socioeconomic position. Mm. That makes sense. I mean, because I would think that, because, you know, there's if just you're a... poor, you have to work together more. Mm. So you'd build better social abilities i would think you can't be every man for himself mm. if you need help mm. but if you've got power and control and money buys you whatever you need mm. you don't really need to develop the skills for it so that mm. makes sense to me mm. but also sometimes i wonder and i have a little bit of a hypothesis i guess that possibly narcissism is more common in like the more wealthy people Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, I believe that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's my hypothesis. I mean, mm. I'm I'm only saying that because I don't know if that I don't know that there's been any research on this. Like mm. that's just my hypothesis. Is that less empathy, more narcissism? Well, um, I think there is some kind of I don't know if you call it research, but someone's looked into being successful in business, mm. and apparently there is a point at which business can't be any more profitable unless you start like abusing your rights over your staff. Mm. Like there's an actual point where you physically cannot make any more profit, honestly. Mm. You actually have to start doing dodgy things or mm. mistreating your staff in order to become mm. really successful with mm. your business. Mm. That's about all I remember about that. Because <laughs> <laughs> someone else told it to me and I have to get them almost as soon as I hear them. But that's the, the crux. I the know. crux of it. It's just, and it, I mean, it makes sense that you mm. have to be like screwing over your staff. I mean, the fact that you're a billionaire and you're probably receiving like a million, millions of dollars in a wage or a salary every mm. year, your lowest paid worker is like barely over, if that, the poverty line, yeah. like that in itself, like to me, that's just unethical and that's just a huge moral. No, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, contradiction um, for me. The Amazon warehouses where yeah. the workers had to pee in bottles because yeah. they weren't allowed toilet, toilet breaks. breaks. Yeah. And they couldn't afford, and like, I don't know if it's, uh, I get Amazon and Actor Blizzard mixed up. I know one of them, staff members couldn't actually afford to live close enough to work to come to work because mm. they were getting paid so little. Yeah. Um, whereas their their big bosses get paid millions of dollars in bonuses on top of their million yeah, dollar salaries. Yeah, it just does my head in. I'm like, you big bosses aren't. I'm. I mean, I'm a manager, mm. and I would never ever like my staff are the most important I'm like if my staff weren't here I wouldn't have a job mm. like so you look after your staff you look after the people under you and they will look after you yeah. and your business but I don't think they even think that way yeah. staff are just disposable it's you just can find ridiculous. a new person anywhere it doesn't matter so that degrees of separation hey makes you dehumanize them I think they you get like numbers. a billion dollar bonuses 
on top of your salary each year. You probably have no concept of what it is to be someone living on 40 grand. I, you don't know, like why do we even need that much money like honestly it just does it does my head in hmm. and the, the fact that they then don't like go and utilize that money to help the world yeah like i'm just it frustrates the shit out of me we shouldn't have poverty we shouldn't have people living in derelict situations we shouldn't have hmm. homeless people like we don't need to have that. It's just that we're choosing to live in this society that promotes this kind of behavior. Yeah, like, it's like um, unemployment. Having zero unemployment is actually bad mm. from certain government's point of view. So they actually factor in or hope to create a certain percentage of unemployment. Mm. So if it's not over a certain amount, then they actually think it's good. Mm. And if it was less than a certain amount, they'd be like, oh, shit, we need to get more people unemployed because... Mm. People are too in demand and can make demands of their employers. Mm. I don't know if that's exactly the main reason, but mm. I know there's something mm. that means we have to have a certain percentage number of unemployed in the country at all times. Mm. Mm. Which I always found annoying, considering how much they demonize unemployed people, mm. call them like welfare queens and bludgers and mm. leeches on society, when they're actually built into the way our society is structured is a requirement to have mm. unemployed people. Mm. It's like that quote you like to say from, um, is it Ever After? Oh, uh, yeah, the, and I no. figured out who that was. It was by Thomas More. For if you suffer your people to be ill-educated and the manners to be corrupted from their infancy and then punish them for those crimes to which their first education disposed them, what else is to be concluded from this but that you first make thieves and then punish them? So mm. it's basically the same. Like yeah. you're making poor people and then you're punishing and demonizing them for being poor exactly. or unemployed. You're making people be unemployed and then demonizing them for being unemployed. Like mm. it's just, and it's that whole, comes back to that whole dehumanization mm. because the government just see people as numbers. They're not people. Yeah. You know, Actually, I was going to say before when you said, um, Scott Morrison was saying how, Oh, we're this good of all the countries at climate change. You shouldn't be trying to outdo other countries. You should be trying to do the best you can do. Mm. If you become number one cleanest country in the world, but you could easily be cleaner, mm. you should keep going. Yeah, you shouldn't just be like, ah, I won now. Yeah. I don't need to try any harder. It's, like, it's not the point. Saving We're the saving the world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we should be working together as well. Like, where are the partnerships? I know that, like, the Paris Agreement and all that sort of stuff, and I know that we have, like, the trade partnerships and all those sorts of things, but I'm like, what? Where? Where is it that we're putting these to good use? Mm. You know, China's like a powerhouse. As much as I'm not a huge fan of how their government governs their yeah. people, their politics like, are a bit. Yeah. yeah, China's politics are bullshit. Yeah, China's. Yeah, I don't like the way they govern their people, but they're a country we should be. I'm not saying colluding with or like bowing down to or anything like that, but we should be making more efforts to work together. And I mean, China is making efforts to try and reduce their mm. carbon emissions and stuff like rather than it just this whole competitiveness, like it just does my head. And I'm like, we're a human race. We're all one people. We shouldn't be trying to outdo each other. We shouldn't be thinking one person's better than the other and you know, or one race of people or whatever mm. is better than the other. Like, it's just annoying. I was um watching this YouTube video just the other day. They're talking about how we classify intelligent life across, like, the universe. And there's something along the lines of if you can harness anywhere from the natural resources on your planet as well as the ones of your solar system 
you're like a tier one. And if you can master using your entire solar system to create energy, you're a tier two. And like it sort of expands. And how mm. many after that is how many solar systems and galaxies you can use and utilize for power. Mm. But they were saying a lot of, in that conversation, they were saying that it won't be until we find intelligent life out there that Earth will really become united. And I think that's kind of sad mm. because we need to have an other. It makes it sound like we need to have an opposition at all times. Mm. It's not until we have an opposition that's not on Earth that we'll think of ourselves as one, one group. Race, yeah. yeah, one with Earthlings. Mm. Now, I don't want to fight with potentially superior technology-laden yeah, aliens. But why do we have need to have an other that's an enemy? Like, why do we need to come together as an enemy? Like... I think, I think our enemy at the moment is ourselves. So let's come together to fight the bad side of ourselves, mm. you know, as human, the bad side of the human race. And we're all guilty of it. We all, you mm. know, have behaviors and tendencies and thoughts and ideas and all that sort of stuff that contradict living in harmony with our environment and in harmony with each other. Like, let's fight against that. Mm. <laughs> let's fight against dehumanization. Let's fight against breaking people down to numbers so it makes it easier to eliminate them or easier to, like, not consider them to have feelings and all that sort of shit to be able to be empathetic towards them. Like, yeah. You know, why does it have to be an actual entity? Exactly. Yeah. It depends on how you look at things. Mm. I mean, there are some people who just aren't going to come to the party, but you think it wouldn't be too hard to get everyone at least on the same page and recognizing what we need to change about the human condition mm. and how we approach things. Well, I think the thing is, is that, you know, it's that human tendency to focus on the lesser popular view as being the most popular because it's normally the loudest mm -hmm. you know it's normally the one that's given a lot of attention and a lot of focus but that's actually not the general population stance like yeah. the general population stance on things is usually good has uses common sense but mm -hmm. it's just that we focus so much on the negative and everything it's true but i love that's media Oh, yeah. They can't sell stories if they're not exciting and controversial. Yeah, don't and... even get me started on media. <laughs> <laughs> I know, that's another really painful topic. To yeah. yeah. <laughs> Responsible journalism, people. <laughs> Objectivity. <laughs> don't take sides. Yeah. <laughs> Freedom of the press. Yeah. Find well. all the stories. More good news. You know, not just all of whatever agenda you want to push or your bosses want to push or whatever. Mm. And more science. Mm. I'd like honest interpretation and explanation of recent discoveries in science. Because mm. media has a real tendency to take like a, a cool sounding line from oh yeah, and like a legitimate research <laughs> like article, and then distort it into being some controversial, ridiculous yeah, bull crap. Exactly. And I mean, having having been in a position to have to create media releases and stuff like that and work with a media and comms marketing team, they're always saying, oh, what's the catch line? Like, what's the, what's the thing that's going to grab attention? Like, that's all they're after. They just want that clickbait. Yeah. You know, they want that headline that's going to, like, get the reads, get the reach. And it's like, mm. really, like... You know, you're in a position of great power and influence and you're just going to use it to promote bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to use it to seed and nurture hate and, like, seriously, like, how, how do you sleep at night? 
I'm all for making things interesting as possible. I have a short attention span, <laughs> so if it's not interesting, I usually ignore it. But there's definitely ways of doing that without making everything negative and mm. misleading and sometimes an outright lie. Mm. But I mean, Even if you have to read the article to find out that the headline was a lie, like this doesn't count. You start just, oh, we corrected ourselves at the end of our article, mm. so we told the truth. It's like, yeah. no, just be honest from because, the start. Yeah, but a lot of people aren't going to read past the headline. I, I think like they use that in the wrong way. Like They're like, oh, but people aren't going to read past the headline, so we need to make it sound interesting so mm. that they'll read the story. And I'm like, no, you need to just make the headline fucking honest because yeah. the reality is that a lot of people won't read past the headline. So no. you need to make sure that you're giving as much correct information as possible in that small bite of information. Goddamn fucking cockatoos. <laughs> um, it reminds me of uh, during Pride Week, I don't know how my workmate started talking about um, the LGBTQI plus acronym, like the letters. But one of them said, oh, do you know there's like a V now? And I was like, what does it stand for? Said, I don't know, but apparently there's, de- there's a V. I've heard there's definitely a V now. How many letters are we going to get? There's no V. <laughs> I don't know where he got that from. I'm assuming it was some stupid radio show or one-liner grab headline that they didn't actually read all of because there isn't a V. (laughs) Isn't. (laughs) So annoying. I know. It's frustrating. And then you get all of these like gossip sites, like, you know, entertainment, e-entertainment and mama. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure what Mamma Mia is really class as, is it? Like a... I've never looked at Mamma Mia, so I don't even know what they are. Yeah, well, sometimes I feel like they're a less reliable BuzzFeed. I'm not sure. Oh, that's pretty bad. BuzzFeed's already pretty unreliable. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I have no idea. But, like, there's those sorts of things that people share information from. And then I... And they're the the worst for creating, like, really... I don't understand who wants to read that. Like, um, secret behind Jessica so-and-so's recent weight loss. But Mamma Mia is different, and they do, like, life stuff. Like, they do life style stuff as well Hmm. and some of it is actually like good and interesting and has a good message and stuff like that but it's just more the head the the title of the article or whatever that you know that's always a little bit misleading um so it's like oh really i really hate the like is it e-entertainment in america e-news yeah yeah but it's always stupid bullcrap like (laughs) why this person doesn't look good in their bikini anymore why so and so broke up with his wife? I fucking don't care. <laughs> Sometimes Go I just feel like bullshit. America is like a completely different planet. Like honestly, oh, <laughs> I found out that back in the good old days of American like revolution and independence, and that um, there was like a locust swarm that took out a lot of farmers' crops, mm-hmm. and they went to the government and said, "We literally." can't sell anything like our food we can't eat anything we can't sell anything all our food is being devoured by locusts and the government's response was like all right you're gonna have to prove that you literally do not have a single penny left before we give you any kind of like food aid yeah like they actually had to like prove they literally bankrupt before they could receive any kind of aid from the government and apparently that mentality is like stuck with how america approaches Mm. poverty and providing Mm. like assistance Mm. it is just 
disturbing. I know, it's very disturbing. But, like, I finally really kind of started listening to podcasts, like, last year, like, from the lockdown and stuff, when we had to spend a lot of time by ourselves and things like that. Like, that's what I was doing a lot, you know, going for walks and listening to podcasts and stuff Mm. like that. And because a lot of them are American-based people who have some very fantastic things to say, like, I'm not saying that Americans are crazy or whatever, but it just got me thinking to how different their mentality is from ours Mm. like in australia like egalitarianism and multiculturalism is within our constitution like that whole the way we live life is meant to be that everybody has a fair go and and everybody's equal yeah but in america like it is very much about success and being better than others and Mm. like that's just the sense that i've been getting from a lot of the podcasts and a lot of the research and social research that that comes out of america i'm like it's very much about being the best and being better than others and yeah yeah. um I was watching a video about envy, mm. but this particular part of it was about how other cultures try not to show how wealthy they are, mm. because if you do, people will be envious of you and will like throw hate in your direction, either like spiritual hate or like actually they will sabotage you mm. because they hate you for being successful. Mm. Except America is one of few countries where you need to flaunt your wealth and success as much as possible, and that's culturally accepted. Mm. It's not shame like. You're not shunned for it. You're not shamed for being Mm. too open about your success and how much better you are Mm. than other people. That was was interesting. Mm. I didn't realize that or thought about that Mm. because we're not big on flaunting wealth in Australia. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) Our Australian culture is literally taking down anyone who thinks they're too good. (laughs) Exactly. We'll bring you down back down to the level. (laughs) That's like our our one piece of consistent culture. Yeah. (laughs) So I always go for the underdogs. We're either taking down people who think they're too good or oh. we're trying to prop up people who are down the bottom. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what we do. Yeah. But that is changing. And mm. I think a lot of it is American influence. influence yeah. Um, slightly not related, but I saw a ute drive past today mm. and they had an Australian flag on it, but it was up the front over like one of the headlights. Mm. You know how like the American um, presidential cars have those little flags? Yeah. It was like that. They had a bigger flag. Yeah. And I saw it, and I thought, oh, God, they're Americans. <laughs> I know they're Australian, yeah. but that's American. Everyone knows Australians have flags on their property, mm. preferably on a mast, like mm. some kind of pole, yeah. like an official pole. Mm. Or you wear it as a dress Day. on Australia Day. <laughs> as a two times you flaunt the Australian flag. You don't put it on your car just all year round. That level of patriotism bothers me and worries me, though. Yeah, because it's kind of saying, I preference my own people above any other human mm. on the planet. I don't care about yeah. them. And it's generally mm. white Australians. Uh-huh. Like white, Bogan been Australians. here, like, you know, multiple generations Australians. Mm. Not, not the true first Australians or, you know, the what, immigrants. Or recent, yeah. yeah, or recent Australians. It's just... And that's the scary, annoying thing. I'm like, we're all part of the same race, mm. you know... You could have been born in any other country, in any other situation, and you were born here, and that's something you should be grateful for, because we are a lucky country. We yeah. are very well off, and we do have a lot of benefits compared to other people, but we, I doubt we chose <laughs> to be born into Australia. We were lucky, and I think that, I just don't understand this mindset of like, nah, you can't have what's mine. Like, I'm just like, we need to help be helping each other. Like, when I see people in need, like, I want to help them. Mm. I don't want to, you know, just laugh at them and say, haha, you got yourself there. Because half the time, no, they didn't. 
get no, themselves exactly. there. They're probably working their freaking guts off. And who's to say that, you know, our situation is actually better? Yeah. Sometimes people who suffer through those things actually come out better in the I end. I think um, as well, the whole corona crisis has really shown how we value work as well. Because you take people who get paid the least amount mm. and are made fun of regularly in society mm. for the jobs they hold, mm. like cleaners or McDonald's employees mm. Mm. or Woolworths, supermarket workers. Super yeah. And nurses, not made fun of, but they don't get paid nearly as well as doctors. Mm. And yet we have a, oh, essential services must keep working. Oh, what's this? A lot of those essential services are teenagers and like the lower socioeconomic people mm. who work in supermarkets, mm. they have to stay out during lockdowns and, and keep get working. Min- and corona. often just get minimum wage. Yeah. yeah. They are critical. <laughs> they are critical to the functioning of society. <laughs> yeah. And yet they're also the least paid mm. and most shitted on mm. groups of society. Exactly. It is bizarre. It is so bizarre. I think it really needs to have a mental shift, hey? Mm-hmm. That's why I, th- I was reading something. Who, who did it? I think Anglicare did a... Um, a survey like a poll or recently and um, they've said that 70% of the Australian population supports a basic living income mm. I'm like thank fuck because sometimes <laughs> I really do worry about like the humanity of my country yeah like, and it's so hard to hear like one horrible story about someone being a dickhead mm. and you think oh my god my country everyone's <laughs> turned a dickhead so I'm like yeah, do exactly. the end but it's good to have some good news on like yeah. the actual average Australian yeah I mean, obviously, that's always like a sample, and that's generalized out across the population. True. But I'm like, Don't know where that's still, sample from. Yeah, but I'm like, that's still good. I really do think we need a basic living income where everybody is able to at least live above the poverty line. And yeah. you know, the the article was talking about how, like, some people who were on long term unemployment benefits and you know have been trying to find jobs for years but just can't because of their age or their experience or mm. their education or whatever. And they were talking about how, like, when they had the coronavirus supplement, it was they were able to actually do more to help them get a job because mm. they weren't worried about how they were going to pay rent, where their next meal was coming from, being able to clothe themselves or get necessary medications yeah. and go and visit the doctor and get to appointments and I stuff I think there's like a lot that. of stuff people don't realise is a hurdle mm. when they've got money with, like, for those mm. who don't have money. I know... Um, I've been unemployed quite a few times already in my life. I'm only in my early 30s, so there's still time to be unemployed many <laughs> times more. But um, I was classified by the job search agencies as being, like, the least risk. I'm educated, had a stable home, absolutely no reason why I couldn't get a job immediately. I was unemployed for over a year in one of my cases, mm. and I was looking for jobs every single day. Mm. It's difficult. At one point, I didn't have proper internet, so I'd either have to buy prepaid internet, and when that ran out, I'd have to take a bus for like about half an hour into town mm. to use a dodgy old computer at a job search agency, <laughs> write down things on like a piece of paper, and then take them back home again. It's just the worst. Mm. I think people who have like unlimited internet on their phones mm. wouldn't think of how much harder it is to apply for jobs if you have to take a bus into another place and mm. take all your stuff with you in order to apply for jobs, yeah. and then have lunch either prepared to take with you mm. but you have no fridge or microwave yeah. or anything so like a sandwich yeah or you've got to leave to come home to have lunch in time mm. so like you're not too hungry that sort of stuff in yeah. which case you only have a limited amount of time to mm. spend in town job searching mm. 
it's just ridiculous how much and then never never mind the fact that you have to also print out your resumes and everything yeah if you want to drop them into places and if you don't print enough you'll have to go back to the job agency and ask them to borrow their printer again it's just yeah it's it's just ridiculous and i I was one of the people like that's they're comparing in this article about like there's one lady who lives in Adelaide, which luckily is low rent. So she's able to afford rent and she's got enough to be able to keep internet because mm. she's like, if I didn't have internet, I'm not able to job search. She's like, I've got a okay laptop that's a few years old. So I'm probably going to need to upgrade that soon so mm. that, you know, but then this poor guy in Melbourne who's paying like $520 a week rent and he's left with $60 Jesus. after that. And he's like, that's not enough for me to even like, you know, I've got to eat, so I've got to, but, yeah. you know, there's there's not no enough internet. for me to pay for internet, to pay for a phone bill. Like, yeah, not going to go into town every single day yeah, for exactly. an entire day using some other resources yeah. to go home again. It's just ridiculous. Like, and it makes me think about my living situation because, like, I'm lucky to have low rent but live in a three-bedroom house. So, you know, mm. when when you were living here with me and my brother, like, we, it was only, like, just over a hundred dollars each yeah, basically per week and now we've got like the spare room i'm like oh should i be like renting that out to somebody who like you know needs a place mm. like to be able so that they're not p- paying like full rent to live in like a one-bedroom apartment by themselves like i think we yeah. need to have more share accommodation oh, sure. arrangements there's yeah. like a whole i don't know if you call them customer base mm. potential potential customer base of just single people mm. Who literally don't need anything. No. Like, I'm a hoarder. <laughs> quite severely. So I need space. But I know people who all they want is a kitchen, a bathroom, and somewhere to put their bed and their computer. Mm. That's all they want. Mm. And you have to have either a fancy apartment in the city mm. or buy an entire, rent an entire yeah. house in yeah. order to have that. I know. There should be, like, a special... Like youth accommodation blocks, <laughs> exactly or well, something. Well, I haven't. I've I've been thinking lately. Like, if I ever won gold lotto or ever came into like millions of dollars, I would totally go and buy like an old hotel, or an old, you know, some sort of old unit complex or something. Like, mm. or build you know, even, you know, or buy an old caravan park with cabins or something, and just make something that people can come and live at that has communal areas but yeah. i'd have one for people who are already set up and quite well to be able to maintain their own tenancy and stuff like that but i'd also have one for those who are at risk of losing tenancies and maybe are just mm. coming out of homelessness and perhaps have like drug and alcohol issues and all those sorts of things as well so that yeah. and then have that one be like fully supported so they're actually support services I was gonna say, within the model um if you have like a whole if a proper hotel with a kitchen mm. and everything I'd be very encouraging of having like an opt-in, really low-rate meal service because mm. there are certain people of certain types who don't know how to fucking cook. No, exactly. Like <laughs> basics that they, they they buy takeout every <laughs> second, yeah, every second day, if not basics. every single day, yeah. and it affects their health and yeah. it's just a terrible situation. Well, I'd probably either have a low. You pay a low amount of money to go towards a meal service where you can have three meals a day mm. provided to you, and I would also probably offer cooking lessons, say, cooking classes. <laughs> once a month, say, all right, we're, life we're, skills we're, classes. We're learning how to make this meal yeah, this month. Yeah. Please come down and I think learn. I'd do like life skills classes like cooking and budgeting, mm. um, you know, how, what you need to, how you need to go shopping. Because, I mean, mm. ridiculously, like, and that, I think that that's the other thing 
something like a little bit of an aside, but related, you know, I think parents who do everything for their kids right up until they're ready to leave home, they just do not understand the detriment that they are causing to that child to be able to live on their own later on. Like you should be making your kids do the dishes and you should be making them like do jobs, do chores for pocket money. And then they have to learn how to save for things and stuff like that. That is necessary for them to be able to live life as adults and it's not stuff that they're going to learn at school so Mm -hmm. you need to do that in the home because if you don't do it I'm glad my I hated doing the dishes I hated getting clothes off the line and putting clothes in the wash and having to fold them up and put it away I hated having to go to the shop for mum and dad I'd hated having to mash the potatoes or cut (laughs) the potatoes but now I look back and I'm like I'm glad I did those things because I now know how to look after myself. <laughs> I think it's probably like, I don't know how you change attitudes well. Because there's some mm. people who are like, oh, I have no idea how to cook. Mm. I'm going to Google this. Yeah. And yeah, people who are like, I have no idea how to cook. I'm going to buy takeout. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know how you change that men- like mental well, approach a, to things. Yeah. But, but that's in, in in itself too, isn't it? Like mm. there's people who've then also learned to problem solve. Yeah. And then there's, I mean, getting takeout is a problem solved, but it's not the best solution. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Like they don't, it's like you don't think about all of the aspects of your choice. You mm. don't think about all of the consequences of the choice that you're making. Yeah. I was thinking, I was actually thinking about that today when it comes to like choosing what to eat. I think I at least do a kind of a way up. Mm. This is more convenient, but this is more healthy. Mm. This one takes as much energy, but this one takes as much money. Mm. But I know other people who are just like, I'll buy it. <laughs> I'll go with the unhealthy option. Yeah. But I don't think they actually put the thought in first. Like, they don't actually take a moment, or they don't wrestle with it. They don't feel like a guilt mm. over the bad decision. Mm. They think, oh, which makes me happiest. That one, end of thoughts. No, I have no other feelings about this decision at all. <laughs> but even if I choose the fatty option or the mm. expensive option, I still feel bad about it. Mm. Whilst I'm eating it, I'm like, oh, I should have gone with the healthier, <laughs> cheaper version. But though, there are people who just don't seem to even have that kind of mm. reservation, like mm. that little voice hes- hesitation, yeah, yeah. Or voice in their brain saying, is that the best choice mm. you can make right now? Mm. And it kind of makes me wonder where, that, where you get that voice from. I think it's learnt. Because you, I'm like, I know your mum, mm. and I, I know that that would have been the way she would probably have verbalized those things to you as well. And I know my parents verbalized certain things mm. to me too. But then you get people who do go, oh, I'm just going to buy takeaway. Like, yeah. they've either never had that verbalized, and it's all just always been done for them. They've never been involved yeah. in that, or they're just copying what their parents did. Yeah. You know? That's true. My mum yeah. was very. Um, thoughtful about what she mm. did mm. and if I asked a question she'd always explain why we're doing this Things, this way yeah yeah and, and also then she'd s- ask me like is it what do you think is the most logical choice and I'm like oh, the boring one <laughs> yeah exactly Fine, you're right. <laughs> but it's also a lack of curiosity yeah. too like some people just don't they're not curious enough to think too much about things, too. Mm. And I wonder if that's a learned behavior. I don't think that's genetic. I think that's environmental. Like I would imagine so, yeah. Behavior. Yeah. Like curiosity is important to foster. A lot of adults don't have as much curiosity as they need. Yes. <laughs> as a complete aside, not really related to anything we're talking about, I watched the final episode of the TV series um, Good Omens mm. last night, and the demon character Crowley in it he drives a car through a giant wall of fire 
and the narrator explains it that the only reason he can do this is because he's the only demon with an imagination and he imagined himself as being totally fine and his car's not on fire. <laughs> so logical. <laughs> his imagination was what made him able to actually withstand driving through this wall of fire yeah. where like this other demon just like perished sort of thing. Yeah. Well, his, his physical earth body did. Mm, his yeah. demon soul just went back to hell. And yeah. Did. But yeah, it's like that. He imagined himself <laughs> as being perfectly okay. Sometimes though, that, that that's what you need, hey? Like you need that confidence that mm. things are going to be fine, to feel fine on the other yeah, side of it. Yeah, the ability to imagine in a way yeah. which could turn out good for you rather yeah. than bad. And I think we were talking earlier today how I often will... Like one way that I do deal with um, things as they arise or whatever is I do some I do often imagine the worst case scenario. Mm. But I think for me the reason why it doesn't create anxiety is because I don't imagine the worst case scenario and then think about all of the bad shit that can happen mm. after that. I I think about the worst case scenario, but then I figure out how to make it better in my mind. So even yeah. if the worst case scenario comes up. I know how to deal with it, yeah, so no, I don't sure. feel anxious about it. I yeah. always used to imagine the worst, and people would be like, oh, why are you so negative? You're going to stress yourself out. Like, actually, this is relaxing me, because <laughs> by imagining the worst possible outcome, I can then imagine how to tackle each aspect of yeah. the worst possible outcome. I get stressed when I imagine the worst possible outcome, and I can't find a way out. Right. <laughs> That's the point where I should stop thinking about the worst possible out- outcome, but I can't stop myself. Yeah. So I get very anxious. Well, then you've but, got to think about mm. the likelihood of that happening. Yes. Yeah. And <laughs> how what, much will this actually affect my life? Yeah. Can I just walk away from this and will it be fine? Usually, yes. Yes, <laughs> exactly. See, I don't I don't normally find something that I don't think I'm going to get out of because I think one of my things is, oh, well, if that happens and that happens, there's not really much mm. I can do about it. So there's no point worrying about it sort yeah. of thing. Like I'm just going to have to deal with those emotions and that event when it comes. When yeah. But it does give you a certain sense of control, I guess, over yeah. the situation if you've imagined the worst possible. Overthinking outcome. is quite cathartic sometimes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to stop thinking and wrap it up for today. I hope you had fun. Thank you for joining us again, and we'll see you next time. Bye.